Hello, and welcome back to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I am Angelica Yard. And I'm Charisma O'Keefe, and we are here every Thursday talking to you about business, entrepreneurship, creativity, and so many other things. Like being black. It's Black yes. History Month. Woo! It is Black History Month. We're on day two. Um, this is like my favorite month of the year. So I'm It happy. is. I will say I thought it was so great that during Lunar New Year yesterday that like the like black people and Asian people got together and posted some of the most asinine tweets to celebrate both and I loved it. So I loved, loved that. The Romeo must die tweet. Yes. Yeah, Yep. so much i thought that was very funny and then my uh friend ricardo just posted something of him and uh ricky lie who runs the orlando um foodie like the foodie group and mm-hmm. he posted a picture of them together and was like happy black history and happy lunar new year and i was like I you're love very it. funny um so I love you know pe- a lot of that. people don't understand that there's a long history of asian journey. people and black people supporting each other through you know against uh white supremacy and a lot of that history has been erased um, so that we won't see that and continue to do it. And instead they're like, let's make them fight with each other and dislike each other. So I like that we've really seen in the last few years, there's been more of, you know, a movement to regain that solidarity that we've had with each other and continue like strengthening our communities together. So I'm super happy to see that it's huge here in Orlando. That's very much, you know, we have a, a like a lot of people I feel like don't understand, like we have a large black culture and a large Asian culture here. Yes, so, we, um, two things to watch. Uh, someone, Stephanie, who is a comic book artist, and Stephanie I Will on Twitter posted about Iron Fist and Kung Fu Kicks, which is a documentary on Netflix. And she said they talked a little bit about uh, like the black and Asian media and how they got like Kung Fu movies made. So I'm going to look at that later. And then also yesterday, because I was in Orlando, kind of looking at a job thing. And so we were driving back and we were like, the police is over here and like sounds. And we're like, it's fireworks. And it turned out that was the Lunar New Year celebration that they had like blocked off (laughs) so that they could do the fireworks and the um, things. That was cool. So that was neat. And those are two things to, I guess the documentary, if you have Netflix, it's called Iron Fist and Kung Fu Kicks. I will report back, but Stephanie is usually never wrong. Um, as someone who makes comics for Marvel, et cetera, she's typically on point. So definitely check that out. And Lunar New Year celebration is uh, usually 15 days. So I think it literally goes around to the 15th. Um, so do what you want to like celebrate, uplift, and support Black-owned and Asian-owned businesses right now because they are out here making things happen, especially because it's Black History Month and every day today to support a black owned age owned business but specifically right now especially go ahead and spend your coins where they matter the most because while it's nice that you can put kente cloths on candles it's more important to buy candles from a black woman who pours her own candles yeah i'm glad you're the one who called it out because i was like (laughs) and i saw somebody i know share that on facebook and i was like you know what i'm not even gonna go in on i want to go in on them but i'm not gonna go in on them because really like first of all you should not be buying your candles from that place anyways unless you want like just toxins all up in your house and like black walls because there's issues with those candles but yeah literally like they said nothing about hiring black designers they're not giving any proceeds back to any you know organization like they're just like they're just throwing on someone said that they were designed by black design i don't know i cannot verify if it's nope, true it's or not not so been verified it's, not it's not true. yeah because uh, you know of course in all the it looks groups bad stuff, that's why been... i was like if a black person did design it i don't know why well and that was terrible. another thing is like one of, one of the girls was like why are these the things that like the smell she's like all of it is just wrong like she's like it doesn't make any sense it doesn't uh, it's not it's not where it's at no um, no so, so make sure that you're actually like don't just go to corporations that are like throwing something yeah. black or asian on their t-shirt or whatever and being like look we loved it because they don't they do not care and even uh, when there are black owned artists behind some of the movement it's i have like a such a hate love relationship with some of these collections because it's nice and it's great that you're paying artists to make it but obviously artists aren't making as much money as if we went out and bought the art from the artists themselves so if you do enjoy something from a corporation that is done by artists with some of I mean, like Timmy Cooker just did one for Old Navy, um, which is uh, Old Navy has never, never done Black History That is merch, shocking. By the way. Uh, but he did one and it looks really cool. It's a cool shirt. But 
I can go get that and I can also just buy prints from Timmy. You know what I mean? Like there, there's yeah. all these people who do things. It uh, is sometimes a good way to like get introduced to a new artist and then go support them yeah. for real, for real in a way that they're actually going to Because I will money. buy items, obviously, if I'm out and about in a corporation that's all, that was at least designed by a black person over some, yeah, obviously that's what I'm going to do. But then it introduces me to that artist and then I can yeah. follow them and also support them. So that's my recommendation. I'm not going to fight people on black history month capsule collections because it is what it is capitalism is the name of the game that is where we live but if you have you 500 dollars to spend at target have five hundred dollars. john literally went into target the other day and i was in the car and like he i sent him in with a list of like four things i did not feel like going in this man is in the, the black history month section taking a photo of everything asking <laughs> if i want it and i was like listen i understand you are a white man and you are trying to be supportive i was like i don't need the whole collection right now i was like i just sent you in for four things i will look at the collection later and i'll decide <laughs> what i'm getting like can you just get the things and get out the store but he was literally like no i need to get all of these things so I, like, no. but at least I will say again, Target does a good job. But like you said, they show that they're designed who they're designed by, right. is, which I yeah. appreciate. You know, and I think some of the other brands are trying to learn from them. At least in Old Navy's uh, aspect, they had three designers design stuff, and the way they released this should be shirts are very similar to the way Target does theirs. But they had the designers have their own assets and like images and videos from the shoots of where they did it, and so it was really cool and nice that they did that. And I think Target's a good place to learn from because. Target also highlights Black creators, not just in Black history. Yes, you can all go the time and Asian September creators as well. Yeah, in, in Latin, mm-hmm. Latin, Latin, yeah, Latino, everybody. Yeah, so it's just you can do that at Target as well. So that's just something to think about as we shop Black during the month of February. That if you can find it at a corporation, you can probably find it online at a little small store. It may take a little bit longer to get here. You won't get instant gratification. When you get here, you'll be surprised. Get excited. You'll be like, oh, I forgot I ordered these things. <laughs> it came and it's so exciting. So uh, things like that to remember, I think. But other than that, it's been a wild uh, start to the month already. I feel like the end of January was very chaotic with the news and things that are happening out and about. And it's podcasts hosts who have podcasts on a certain platform <laughs> which if you you are live with veins you've heard of people um pulling their podcasts or their music off of spotify i it's a very complicated issue that spotify decided to pay someone who makes asinine comments about black people but also has spread so much misinformation about the vaccine and covid in general and and most things because He's a man who just says what he wants. A man's with a microphone. I feel like there's been memes on TikTok or there's been TikTok but craze. They're so good. The TikTok videos. <laughs> they're so funny. The, like, the, the man filter. Yes. And then they just do a podcast. That's a whole genre I, on TikTok now. It's very it's funny. so <laughs> funny. If you have not checked it out, even if you don't have TikTok, just go I on. don't have TikTok. I saw it's them on Twitter. So there's a Twitter thread. Funny. If you look it up, oh it's like men with, with TikToks. Um, and they are hilarious. Funny. And so they're I, so like spot on. And I feel like, Everyone relates to it because every like yes, that's we've it's all just heard such a them. Yeah, it's true. Uh, as a high value man, let yes. me tell you where you can yes. listen to. <laughs> let me tell you other places where you can listen uh, to music and podcasts. We are just gonna give you that. Um, we looked at title together collectively before yes. we got back on, and I feel like that's a good recommendation if you're looking for another subscription place to listen to podcasts or music right now. Um, there's Apple Music as an alternative if you are into having Apple things. Uh, if you're not looking for a place to music, but also just looking for a place to listen to podcasts, you can listen to podcasts on any podcast uh, player. Like player, and so I would recommend Pocket Cast. That's the one that I used to use before switching to the nation who should not be named. It's very easy to use. It's intuitive. It's free ninety nine. Um, and just anything that aggregates podcasts. Podcasts are RSS feeds. I don't know if people know that and don't know what an RSS feed is, but back in the day, uh, that's how you used to keep up with blogs, is that you would just all follow each other on Google Reader, and you would just take the RSS feeds, and that's how you would find out. And that's how podcasts are run. It's just an RSS feed. So you can go into any podcast, quote-unquote, RSS feed aggregator, and uh, subscribe to podcasts. And listen there. You don't have to have a paid account to listen to podcasts. Yeah. I listen to a lot of podcasts from the like website of that yeah, podcast. Yeah, you know, the website of the podcast most of the time, or if they're mm-hmm. hosted by somewhere, the host typically has the link directly, and that you can go there as well. Like, yeah, yeah, I just end up doing that sometimes because it's easy. If I'm because a lot of times I'm working, just listen. Yeah, so it's like it's easy to throw it on on the actual site, and then for me sometimes because like I end up wanting to see the show notes for a lot of shows and stuff, so it's just kind of like I'm already right there. 
but yeah, there's a lot of options and I'm definitely going to be checking out title today. Cause kind of like when we were looking it up, I was like, uh, this is like a good deal. Like what's, what's happening. It's I don't very like similar in pricing. I'm um, the type of person that like, I'll unfortunately get something and then just like stay with it, it and forget it. Yeah. Because it's just like, I don't have time to like always be like researching different things or whatever. And I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way. Um, so I just assumed like, are they all the same or, you know what I mean? Like they're all probably similar. I know like at this point, like cell phone services are all like pretty similar. Um, so it's just kind of like, which one do you hate the least, you know? So I was like, okay, is that where we're at with like streaming music or whatever? Um, but yeah, there's actually some differences for sure between a lot of the streaming platforms. So it's definitely one of those things that's worth, you know, just taking like 30 minutes and Googling them all and kind of like doing a side-by-side comparison, seeing what's best for you. Yeah. Yeah. We vote with our money, right? Like we tell people like, Hey, these are the things that matter to me. And money is like one of the biggest kind of motivators of that sort of thing. So if it's something that you feel comfortable switching a platform, it's definitely not a bad thing to do right now. Accurate. Yeah. And I just think it's so interesting because I think the counter argument is that the disinformation about cancel culture and what it truly means to cancel somebody people have no idea what that means until they like that word and they like that phrase a lot because it feels like you're being attacked and I'm under attack and my values are being under attack and what I believe is being under attack and we're censoring people from free speech we're taking books out of libraries actively right now um from librarians who who bought the books themselves out of public school libraries in Texas they're stripping books so that is censorship. So if you want to be angry about rights being stripped, people who chose to include educational information based on books that they thought were highly important, or maybe based on books that the kids wanted to read, they went out of their own money and put them in the libraries at the schools, and the government is coming and taking those books away. That's censorship. That's a fun yep. thing to protest. And mm-hmm. if you want to be mad about something, that's cancel culture telling someone who is an actual millionaire that I don't want to listen to your misinformation and I don't want to support the platform who is who is upholding your values by giving you the money to do that is not cancel culture. Even it's if they not. decided to no longer give him the money to do that and told him to host his thing somewhere elsewhere, that's not canceling because he's still a rich, high-valued man and he can uh, take his podcast wherever he wants. He can host it on his own server. It's not difficult. You can do it yourself. You can build a server and host your own podcast and probably pocket a lot of the cost because then you could only spend money on marketing. He already has a fan base, so he doesn't really have to do that much. You just need to hire people to make sure they maintain the server and that it stays up for the people who are doing it. He'd probably make more money that way. Will he do it? No. Yeah. And, you know, it's like you have to think about the fact that when it comes to podcasts, like at a certain point, we're basically like media, you know? And so we're giving information. And when it's consistent misinformation, you know, there's, there's consequences to go with that. If we came here every week and gave people completely bogus business, you know, information and people were, you know, applying those techniques and things were going badly, then we wouldn't be recording five years later, you know? Um, and there'd be consequences to pay for like not telling people the truth. And there's obviously been consequences, you know, with a lot of the misinformation that's been shared around the United States at this point. Um, and so it's just kind of one of those things that it's like, you, you know, if you're if you're talking about something as serious as like as COVID, you know what I mean? Then you need to be holding yourself a little bit more responsible to make sure that you're providing information. That's why we haven't, you know, we've talked about like how to deal with, you know, COVID from a business perspective and things like that. But we've never sat here and been like, yeah, we're going to talk about the science behind it and things like that, because it's like, we're not experts in that field. So we're not going to sit here and like claim, you know, to know everything about it and, and tell you about those things because that wouldn't make sense. So that's kind of the issue with it is like, there's, a lot of people now who have just been like, well, I have a podcast, so I'm going to share information as if I'm a scientist and have some people on who are maybe not as accredited as, you know, because that's the thing is like, you could have been a doctor in the past and that doesn't mean you're practicing on the certain thing that is happening right now. Pardon? (laughs) I'm like Dr. Sanya Gupta. Exactly. Like, it's just Uh, like, you know, (laughs) it's like you, if you have somebody and I'm not saying this is the case, but if somebody is like a dentist and they're coming on talking about being a podiatrist or like, you know what I mean? It's just like, there are two different things. And even if somebody was in that field, if they're not currently active in that field, if they're not 
working on the thing that they are discussing at the moment. It's like, it's a perspective, but again, you just have to take those things like with a grain of salt and that yeah. sort of thing. So it's, it's, it's gotten messy the way that be... we do media now. It's, it's very interesting. It's not even just media. I think it's also, you have to make good choices with your words. And I think about the Michelle yeah. Carter case as a being a high example of someone using their words to drive someone to, uh, die by suicide and obviously she served prison time for that and that was so controversial because people again feel like oh it's her word so what if we go to her and say oh well we're canceling michelle carter because he chose to do you know what i mean you just think about the logic there don't i just implore people to think about what words means and words mean thing and like freedom of speech does not mean freedom from repercussions and people yes. can choose not to listen to you or not like you based on the words you say you're not entitled to be liked or admire or loved by all people we are not liked or loved or admired by all podcasts like that's not or other podcast listeners that's fine that's that's fine with me and I don't think that should be the case so I won't go too much more on that but I just want you guys to know that you that it is what it is and if you want to choose to listen elsewhere and not that platform we are not anti against that that it's fine and we support you and we just give you alternatives to listen elsewhere because it's you, you have the choice to spend your money where you want to. Yes. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We are at Instagram, Heart and Hustle Podcast, uh, Facebook, Heart and, Hustle, Heart and Hustle Podcast, and we are on Twitter at Heart Hustle Pod. Leave us reviews in all the different places that you listen. We appreciate them. We love them. Also, if you're working on anything specific for Black History Month, any cool projects or anything, be sure to go ahead and send those our way so that we can check them out and we can you know share them with people whether it be on the internet or here on the podcast um, so that we're making sure that we just support everybody this month um, just doing all the amazing things for black history month yep and we do have an amazing guest it's our first guest i'm so excited of, of 2022 and it's an og guest who was on like when we first started and so he's amazing five and really, years ago now <laughs> uh coming in hot and strong and heavy into 2022 and he read us for yeah i really needed this together. episode for me because i think you know i've mentioned on here and i've mentioned on social media like i dealt with a lot of depression last year i was not getting things done the way I'd like to get them done and I wasn't showing up for myself in the way I wanted to which is fine because I was depressed right so it's like I had to go through that and like I'm not depressed now at the moment I'm feeling much better but it's it's a you know it's a whole thing of going from depression if anybody suffers from depression you know like when you go through an episode and then you have to like try to get back to like where you want your life to be like normally where you're like doing things it's like there's like a gap where you're trying to figure out like how do I get back into those routines and habits so for me this episode was awesome because I feel like super motivated um and I'm just now feeling like I can get all the things done which is great so yeah take a listen take some notes uh get prepared to spend some money at the end because you're gonna want to buy what he's talking about but not and a lot of money which is good. not a lot exactly so just be prepared and we will see you next week we're so excited for the rest of the month and thank you guys for your support friends we're so excited to have you here for our first guest in 2022 which is super exciting because we have someone who's been on the show before in our early days and we are here today talking to back in the day throwback uh dre baldwin hello dre welcome back to the podcast we're so excited to have you what's going on ladies i am excited to be here thank you for having me again no, this is awesome. And so our listeners who are new, because we have quite a few new listeners on the podcast now from back then, and we've kind of grown a bit, uh, let the people know right. what you're doing, your work, your brand, and more about you. Sure. This is a, a two-minute background. Uh, I come from the city of Philadelphia, now in Miami, a former pro athlete. Uh, played basketball overseas nine years. So while doing that, I started putting videos on this brand new website called YouTube uh, back in 2005, back before YouTube was YouTube. <laughs> and it was uh, mostly basketball material. You know, so most of my audience were ball players. But uh, after a few years, players just started asking me questions about my mindset because they learned about my background. I had kind of I struggled to make it as a basketball player. Barely played in high school, had to walk on and play in college, meaning I wasn't recruited or nobody was scouting me or anything like that. And then I even had to hustle my way into pro basketball. So when players found that out, they just started asking me about mindset, like what keeps you showing up every day or how do you have the confidence to show up at 
know, in the pressure moments, like trying out for the team when you know you get one chance after a whole year of work or why do you keep trying when you face all those setbacks and all those failures and times when most people will just look at it and say, well, realistically, I should probably give up. Or how do you even get started doing these kind of things like getting yourself playing overseas or getting known on the Internet? Because now I start to have a little name on the Internet because of these videos and that was starting to become a cool thing to do. So I just started talking about mental game aspects like discipline, confidence, mental toughness, taking initiative. And that became the foundation of what I do now what is this whole brand and framework called work on your game? And that's where at the same time I started to draw this audience of non athletes into my world because people heard me talking about the mindset stuff. And even though I was talking to the athletes, when I said it, people said, well, look, the way you're explaining it, anybody can use that. It's not limited to just ball players. So that planted a seed in my mind that when I got done playing ball, I could just take this little piece and I can apply this to people who don't play sports. Cause I always knew that I was going to take myself outside of just the realm of sports. When I got done playing basketball, I knew I was going to go further than sports. I wasn't going to just become a, a coach or a trainer. I know a lot of ball players who became coaches and trainers, but I knew that wasn't for me. I knew I had a much bigger uh, opportunity for myself outside of just basketball. So that's where it all started. So when I stopped playing ball in 2015, and I think that was around the time that when we first connected, maybe 2015, 2016. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was around yeah. then. Yeah, that's when I went full time into doing this. And that's what I've been doing ever since. So here we are. My company's called Work On Your Game, if you couldn't guess. And that's what I do. I take the mental tools to help athletes get to the top more percent of sports. And I help non-athletes, which is most of my audience these days, apply those tools at work and in everyday life. I love that so much because like discipline, confidence, showing up, like those are the hardest parts of entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And I try to explain it like, cause I started, you know, I went out officially on my own. Like I got my business license at 21, but obviously I was like doing stuff before then to prep and people are like thinking it's easy. And I'm always like, it's not like, I don't want to sell people on it being easy because it's really, really hard to show up consistently. It's hard to like, put yourself out there and be confident. It's just hard to have that discipline, especially like I feel like in today's world when we're all often like burnt out or just like over it, there's so much going on. Um, so it can be hard to like really be disciplined. So I love that those are the things you focus on because they truly do work for everyone because I am like the opposite of an athlete. Like I am so <laughs> not athletic. I was like the choir girl in high school and on that sort of thing. But I watch your videos and like I get so pumped up. Like I can just like watch literally like two minutes of one of your videos and then I go and knock out like my whole work day and do like beyond what I plan to do. Whereas if I'm trying to do it by myself with no motivation, it's like a lot harder sometimes to get that started. So I love that you found something that really translates over to not, and I'm sure again, not just entrepreneurship, but like any, any sort of job or any sort of passion or creativity that somebody's trying to, you know, master, they can pretty much use your advice and apply that to their lives, which is awesome. Yeah, thank you. So I you agree. wrote a book recently <laughs> called The Third Day, and you've written, you know, multiple books, but this is your newest book. So tell us a little bit more mm -hmm. about the concept of like what the actual third day is. But the third day came from also from my sports background, because I used to when I used to make these videos on YouTube, a lot of times my videos would be I would be in this empty gym just practicing by myself because that's how it started. Me just showing players here's how you practice a jump shot or here's how you practice dribbling. So players would often ask me, they started asking me like, Dre, man, how do you always have a gym to yourself? Because where a lot of us come from playing ball, all the boys in the neighborhood come to the park. So it's hard to get the court to yourself. So I would be by myself every day. So these players wanted to know like, man, do you own a gym? Do you have a basketball court in your house? Or do you rent the gym out? And I explained this concept to them that became the third day, which was Listen, the gym that I go to is a public gym. Everybody knows where it is. If you live in Miami, you can look at it and know exactly where I'm at. The reason why the gym is empty is because nobody shows up as often as I show up. And I just explained to them on the first day of any, doing anything, everybody's excited. Everybody shows up. Everybody's all you know, activated and motivated. And on the second day, a little bit less, but people still show up. And by that third day, all of a sudden, people are already not coming anymore. So we're recording this early 2020. Like how many people were excited to go to the gym at the beginning of this year already ain't going anymore. And what a lot of people don't know is that a lot of gyms, like their, their monthly revenue, the majority of their members never show up to the gym. So if everybody who actually had a gym membership came to the gym, they would their fire marshal would be shutting them down because they wouldn't have the capacity to have everybody in there. So this whole concept of the third day came from basketball, just showing up 
when the newness wears off, when the novelty of the situation is no longer there. And the only thing that's left is you and the actual real work that you have to do. And that is what the third day is about. And that's why the subtitle is the decision that separates the pros from the amateurs. Because when you're a professional at what you do, you're going to hit the third day. It's inevitable. You're going to hit it over and over and over again. And it doesn't have to be one, two, three days in a row. It doesn't even have to be a day. It can be a week, a month, a year. You have to decide to show up and give your best effort anyway, because that is literally what you're getting paid for. People don't pay for your potential. They pay for your consistency. They pay so that they know exactly what they're going to get. And this applies in the athletic world. They don't care if you're an architect, if you're a, any type of service provider. People pay because they know exactly what they're going to get. And if you do that, then they'll keep paying. And if you don't do it, then they will find somebody else who will. So that's what the third day is about, is consistency of showing up and delivering. I feel like we're just going to church. I'm ready to yes. get my amen <laughs> for reading us to feel. But it's true. I feel like, especially because I have a lot of Jim's uh, clients right now. Um, <laughs> yes, they do not make money from people showing up every day. It's actually better when you don't show up for them revenue wise. Because they yeah, spend exactly. less money on maintenance and Easy et cetera. Um, and they make most of their <laughs> right. money in January. Like you said, it's January. You That's when you put your money towards the marketing. That's when you have everything ready to go. And then... You back off and you kind of you don't make as much during the rest of the year, depending on what your offerings are. So 100 percent true on what you said there. Um, but consistency, speaking of, you know, I feel like, like you said, we are in February. A lot of people who started New Year knew me. Hashtag. I hope you didn't do that in 2022 because we all saw that work from 2020. We should stop. Uh, you know, people stop. They stop the habits. They stop the whatever it was. And so there are definitely a lot of programs, social movements that are kind of fixated on this idea of trying to create consistency because that is how difficult it is to be consistent as a person but especially as an adult like I don't think people understand as an adult when you don't have someone telling you what to do and it's your choice and you have all the freedom you don't make good choices most of the time or you don't choose to continue to do things that don't give you instant pleasure they're not giving you that instant dopamine that serotonin like right away and so you don't want to do them and so you like don't do them <laughs> that's the case so what is it in entrepreneurship Spoiler alert, does not just give you dopamine from starting a business. Like you don't wake it up and get serotonin. <laughs> like it just doesn't happen that way. So that's something that people tend to stop being consistent with. They stop so posting on social media, guilty. They stop, you know, doing their email newsletters, guilty. So what are some ways that entrepreneurs can, uh, how do you have advice for entrepreneurs who are struggling with that kind of consistency? Great question. Well, the number one thing is, People had to stop trying to use willpower and motivation to be consistent because that does not work. That's a failing strategy. A, a lot of people think that they because I, I hear from people all the time. They say, well, I ask them, what's your challenge? And usually people will tell you a challenge that they think that you can answer. So they'll say things to me like, well, Dre, I'm not motivated every day or I don't have I don't feel like I always have the willpower. I'm not always excited to do my work. But then they'll look at me and say, well, Dre, you seem like you're motivated every day. How can I get motivated like you? The thing is. I'm not motivated every single day to think what I am is following a strategy. I'm following a process. And because I'm following my process every day, it can appear that I'm motivated simply because I'm getting the work done. So the number one thing that I tell anyone who wants to be more disciplined and consistent is you need to figure out what your anchor is. And the anchor is the replacement for motivation and the replacement for willpower. And the anchor is simply what is the outcome or the result that you want strongly enough that you are willing to be disciplined and endure whatever comes with that discipline in order to achieve the outcome. To give people a tangible example, let's say someone is getting married in June of this year. So they have four or five months to get ready for their wedding and they want to lose 20 pounds before the wedding so they can look great in their wedding photos. But this person hates going to the gym. They hate working out. Now, you got the chicken and the egg. Which one's going to come first? The, the workout or your hate for the gym? Something's got to win here. It's like a tug of war. So the question for that person would be, this is what I would ask them, which one is stronger, your desire to look great in those wedding photos or your hatred of exercise? Because whatever your answer is, that's what's going to win out. Now, if your desire of looking good in those photos is stronger than your hatred of exercise, then we can figure out some ways to get you into that gym and do this workout. Even though you hate burpees, you hate boot camp classes, you hate going to yoga, you hate feeling like you're the only one in the class who doesn't know what they're doing. If you want to lose that weight, then we'll figure out a way to get those workouts in. That's the anchor. That desire is strong enough that you can work through the thing that you claim to not really like doing. That's what a disciplined anchor is. 
And when we can figure out our anchors, then it makes it easier to be disciplined. And the second step for the discipline, once you have your anchor, is putting together a process or a system to be disciplined, to get those workouts in. So continuing this example of a person who needs to lose weight, but they hate working out. Let's figure out what system can we put in place of things that you can do. So maybe you don't like going to the gym because you don't like getting in your car and driving. And that adds a little bit of friction. So let's figure out, okay, let's do a workout at home. Maybe something you can follow on YouTube or your trainer can get you on a Zoom call. You can do the workout right there in your living room. You hate doing burpees. All right, let's figure out maybe you can do push-ups or you can do planks. Whatever it is that we can put together as a system, something that you can follow over and over and over again, that's where you get results of consistency. And what I tell people, I use a simple phrase. It's the same things, the same way, every time. That's what professionals do. The same things, the same way, every time. Is it boring? Can it be monotonous? Can it become tedious? Can it sometimes become a little bit robotic? Yes to all of those. But that's what professionals are. They can, the work is boring, it's tedious, it can be monotonous, it's the same stuff all the time. It can be a little bit robotic. You may even be accused of being a quote unquote robot. I've been accused of that, but I don't mind it because I produce consistent results. You know exactly what you're going to get from me, at least in certain areas. So that's how someone can start to be consistent is figure out what is something that you can do over and over and over again. Not just one time, not just when you're excited, not just when somebody's making you do it, but you can do it yourself every single day. That's how you get consistent results. I don't know why I've never thought of that, but I mean, that makes all the sense in the world that like, that's what a professional is, is someone who delivers the same results over and over. So like, of course, you're going to do the exact same thing over and over and over again. And I think sometimes it can be like hard for creatives to hear that, but it's like, of course, you know, there's flexibility in like the actual like work you're doing. But like you said, when it comes to the systems, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's important to have those down pat like you have to make sure and angelica is huge on systems we talk about systems a lot on this podcast (laughs) but they really do make all the difference in the world like for me if i get out of my systems for a day everything goes to hell like immediately (laughs) so it's so true like it's it's so important to lay out a plan because then you're just following through you don't have to like think about it kind of like what you were saying angelica with like when you're a kid it's like Yes, it's like part of it is because our parents are like, you better do this. But I think another part of it is because our lives were so like cut and dry or it's like, yeah, yeah, it's like you have to go to school or else your parents are going to go to jail. So you just go, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not like a negotiation. You can't have a negotiation with yourself. Whereas now, like as an adult, you can wake up and decide like, well, do I really want to go to the gym before work? Or do I really want to start my day out with gratitude and like a cup of tea? Or do I just want to sleep in until I have like five minutes to get ready and then rush through my day. Um, So I think that when we give ourselves like too many opportunities to like make decisions in the moment, it does not always work Mm -hmm. out well (laughs) because it's it's easy to make the wrong choice, you know? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's what, if you look at professionals or even people who, even people who talk self-help for any area of life, people always talk about routines, right? What is your morning routine? Like the first four hours of my day is routinized. It's the same thing every single time. The way that probably the way you two record your show, it's a routine mm-hmm. to it. It's a way that the way that when you acquire a client and you onboard them, it's the same way every time. You go to a well-run restaurant, when a guest walks in, the host knows how to greet them, how to seat them, how to let the wait staff know, hey, I just sat somebody at table 42. It's the same way every time. When there's a customer complaint, you deal with it the same way. When you get an order, if anybody who ships physical products, you ship that item out the same way every single time. When every, every organization that has been running for a long time and they're consistent in their results, the process is so tight that anybody can jump in it, at least with if they have the baseline level of skill and just run that system. And one thing I tell people always is like the three of us could go work at a McDonald's right now. And by the end of the day, we had that place running smoothly. Right. And it's not because we're such geniuses. Maybe we are, but it's not because we're geniuses It's because the McDonald's system is so tight. That mm-hmm. process is so on point that nobody can mess it up. That's the consistency of being a professional. And that's why McDonald's is McDonald's. And there are many others. Any pro athlete, LeBron James probably does the same warm up every game. Right? Mm-hmm. That's how he's been so good for 20 years. So any professional is doing the same things the same way every time. I love that. So I know that entrepreneurs are really big on procrastination. 
Um, I can do it myself a lot of times. And it's funny because it's sometimes it's like, it's something you want to do and enjoy even, but you're still just like, I'm going to do that later. Um, and then that creates the problem of, you know, either having to rush and do work last minute or having too much on your plate at the wrong time. Um, so I know that in your book, the third day, you do talk about, you know, procrastination and the big excuses that people give. Um, so what do you have to say to entrepreneurs who are using like a certain excuse? And what do you think is like the biggest excuse that people like normally give? Number one excuse for procrastination, especially for high performers in these, especially people who are entrepreneurs, who are self-starters for the most part, is I work best under pressure. Right, oh, that is man, the most, that's uh, mine. It's <laughs> <laughs> the biggest BS it's excuse for procrastination mine. that exists. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is mine, 100%. I'm always yes. like, but I do it so good when I wait till last minute. Oh, my word. <laughs> no, <laughs> you don't. <laughs> Everybody, oh. A lot of people like to say that, that they work best under pressure. Like, put me in a situation where I had to cram and the heat is on and I'm going to do my best work. Studies have shown, however, that that is absolutely not true. People come to believe it because maybe you did produce a good result, a good enough result under pressure, but you could have produced that exact same result if you hadn't. And this is something that you said earlier. If you don't negotiate with yourself and just tell yourself, mm -hmm. I'm going to get this done. And the thing is with negotiating with ourselves, especially as an entrepreneur, where we have to be self-starters, is that when your parents as a kid told you to do something, depending on the kind of households you grew up in. There was no negotiation, not in the house that I grew up no, in. No, 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 right. no. Right. If you were anybody who's been in the military, if the person above you in rank tells you to do something, there's no negotiation. There's no why. There's no, I wanna, I'm going to do it later. If you have a job and your boss tells you to do something, there's no give and take. There's no compromise. It's, I had these papers on my desk by four o'clock on Thursday, or you're not going to have a job tomorrow. Like everybody knows what the deal is. So we are all capable of being non-negotiable when it comes to getting things done. It's just that when we get ourselves in a situation where we have the option of not of being negotiable, we take it. And the discipline is conditioning ourselves to not do that. And once you do it a few times and you get the results from it, getting things done, getting things done ahead of time. And it doesn't, you don't have to wait to the deadline. In my world, I've always been of the belief that early is on time, on time is late, and late is forgotten. So I like to do things early. I like to have things in place before the time comes up. And we are, again, we're all capable of doing it because you can look at your own life and you've seen it. Your school teachers, your bosses, your parents, there's no negotiation. You just get things done. If you go to court and the judge orders you to come to court or come to jury duty on a certain date, you can't say, well, I can't come Thursday, but I'll come Friday. It doesn't work like that. All right, they're going to send the cops to come get you. So everybody is capable of doing this. It's just a matter of are you willing to be as disciplined with yourself as you are with other people? And the way that I explain that is very simply show yourself the same respect that you show to your parents, to your bosses and to your teachers. That's. Yeah, that that hits home for me. Right. <laughs> I think like for me, you know, is something that I notice is that like, for example, with this podcast, I'm always above and beyond good. like I have like, guest book for July for the podcast, because I'm like, Oh, I got to show up for Angelica, you know, I can't let her down. And mm -hmm. I have a nonprofit. And it's the same way I have a co founder. So it's like, I got to show up for her I got to show up for the board. But when it comes mm -hmm. to my business, I will often like wait until something is more last minute, and put myself through a lot of like unnecessary stress. So that's definitely something I need to remember is just like, show for yourself the way you would for others. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, if I'm out here talking about right. self love and self care, which I always am, that's a part of that. I think that sometimes we don't think about like work being a part of that but it definitely is when it comes to being an entrepreneur and like actually showing up for yourself on time Thanks. Yeah. right and some, oh, sometimes ahead, for us i'm sorry uh, sometimes for us we are willing to be we're willing to do more for other people than we are for ourselves and it just depends on our personal frames of reference but if that's anyone everybody knows themselves if you know yourself to be that type of person then use that that, hey, I'm doing this for another person. I can't not show up for this other person. And that can be the anchor that drives you to show up and be consistent. Yeah, I think about my non-existent kids because I don't have kids, but I'm like, one day I might have kids, so I should show up for them, <laughs> you know, show up full full force. Right now, I guess I could be like, I'm showing up for my dog so I can yeah. buy my dog all the nice things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whatever works. Right. <laughs> we got to do what you got to do. Um, 
So right. bulletproof mindset. Talk to us mm-hmm. a little bit about what that means, and especially for entrepreneurs. Sure. Well, the bulletproof mindset, I think the first time that I even heard that phrase was I was doing, I used to do a bunch of these um, live streams on this app called Periscope. You remember Periscope oh, back in like 2014? Oh, you miss it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Periscope was like the start of me really talking about this mindset stuff a lot when I was you know, transitioning from sports to business. Mm-hmm. And I would do a Periscope like every day. And I, sometimes I'd do like an hour long Periscope because I just had so much to say because I hadn't really yes. started putting this stuff out yet. <laughs> and there was a there was people who would watch me every single day. I didn't know who they were. I just know their screen names. And one day somebody said, well, Dre, what's the key to you know getting a mental game like yours? How can somebody develop a bulletproof mindset like you have? And I had never even used that phrase, but I said, damn, I like that. I'm going to start using that bulletproof mindset. <laughs> so that's where that's really where it started. And bulletproof mindset is really all about. It's about mental toughness. If I had to boil all of this down, it's to mental toughness. And the way I describe mental toughness is very simply being continuing to be disciplined, which means showing up every day, doing work and confident, meaning putting yourself and your work out there boldly and authentically, even when the success that you have expected to achieve as a result of your efforts has yet to occur. Because we all know we've all had situations in our lives where we get a a game plan. Somebody tells us, "Okay, you just need to do steps one through seven and you're going to get this outcome. And then you go follow steps one through seven exactly as they told you. And you didn't get the result. You didn't get the outcome. Things didn't work. Something got messed up and, and you're looking around. You see other people getting results and you're not getting results. And you're wondering, well, is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with this process? And the fact is that real life alters the lab tests, right? Your plans, first contact with real life, usually alter the plans. And mental toughness is just your willingness to look at the situation and say, okay, I'm going to come back and do this again. Maybe I need to make adjustments. Maybe I didn't see something the right way. Maybe life just threw a wrench in my plans, but I'm going to keep showing up until I produce the result that I want. And that is the key word in mental toughness is the word until. And that bulletproof mindset does not mean that nothing happens in your life and that everything's going to go great. It's just a matter of how long do you allow things not going ideally to slow you down. A simple example that use of this is just in the concept of conditioning your mind would be like an athlete. Even if an athlete is in great physical shape, if I take them to a a football field or a basketball court and have you sprint up and down the court or the field 10 times, I don't care who it is. You can be the best athlete in the world. They're going to feel some fatigue. The difference between being a well-conditioned person, i.e. having that bulletproof mindset and not, is the well-conditioned person might need 30 seconds of rest before they're ready to run full speed all over again. And the person who is not well conditioned, who doesn't have that bulletproof mindset, they might need 30 days before they can run all over. So the bulletproof mindset is just about how quickly can you bounce back from the challenges and setbacks that are inevitable in life? Because everybody goes through stuff in life, even though it may not seem like it from the outside looking in, looking at somebody else's life. And the people, everybody goes through stuff. The people who don't fight their way through, they become what we call the statistics. And these are the stats like uh, 80% of businesses don't make it past five years or whatever the number is. 99% of athletes don't make it pro or whatever the number is. And the other people who still went through the same stuff, but they kept going, they become what I call the stories. And they literally get to tell their story. They get to write books. They go on podcasts. They do lives. They get books written about them. They get to tell their story that, hey, I went through the stuff, but I made it through. And now I can tell you about how I did it. Yeah, I love that. That's so important because it's not just always about everybody getting the same result. Mm-hmm. Um, no one's going to have mm-hmm. the exact same life experience. Like like you said, you can give everyone the same seven steps and people can attempt them. And just depending on where you are, like what your financial situation is or what it is that you're trying to sell or whatever, little things can make it go differently. But you have to go ahead and appreciate the journey and appreciate what you're learning from it and not just only care about the end result. And that's just so important in entrepreneurship because there's ebbs and flows, man. Like there's time, you know, I I think some people find it really difficult when they start out. For me, it was like the opposite. I started out really high in entrepreneurship and then like struggled in the middle and then like came back up, you know? So it really can, can change from person to person. Um, But I love that. It's that, I love that someone else like (laughs) said to you like bulletproof mindset and it just like stuck because it really does, uh, you know, describe that mental toughness. 
I think it embodied what I was sharing very well. So I'm glad they said it. Glad yeah. I was listening too. Yeah. Um, so you talk about in your new book, Separation Day. Um, so yeah. what is Separation Day? And kind of explain that process to us. So Separation Day is a sister of the third day. So the third day is that day when, let's say, you are you don't really feel like being at work. Your energy is not there. You're not really activated. But you remember this whole concept, this conversation we're having right here. And you say, OK, you know what? This is that third day thing Dre was talking about. So remembering that, being conscious of it, you get activated. You really show up and you have maybe one of your best days at work on a day that was usually one of your worst days. And on that same day, one of your colleagues, maybe somebody, you know, maybe someone you don't, but they have a, a parallel position as yours. They are having a third day, too, but they decide not to show up all the way. I mean, they come to work. They're at the office, but they're, they're kind of there, but not there. They kind of mail it in that day. That particular day when you showed up all the way and they did not, you create a small little separation, a small little gap between you and them. But the separation is so tiny that you could not you couldn't measure it. You wouldn't notice it. There's nothing that you can point out. You don't you know, get more money than them. They don't get fired from their jobs. You don't get congratulations. There's no trophy or celebration for you showing up. There's no big reward and there's no penalty for them. But there's a tiny gap that's created. And every time you do that, showing up all the way and they don't, you create this tiny little separation between you and them. And over time, that separation becomes a very wide chasm between you and everybody else. And this is what showing up every time on the third day actually does for people. It's a cumulative factor of how you end up in the long run. And this is why the third day is a challenge for people, because it's not there's no immediate gratification. This is a delayed gratification, but you have to keep showing up every day and doing the work. You have to keep investing. But the gratification isn't in, is so far off in the horizon. This is why it's a challenge for many people to keep coming coming in on those third days. So the separation day is just, this is going to separate me from everybody else who's not doing the work. And this is a, it's a common refrain in the sports world that maybe coaches tell athletes or parents tell young athletic kids that every moment that you're not in the gym working out, getting better, one of your opponents is in the gym getting better. And it's very cliche, but it's the, it's directionally, it's pointing in the right direction. And this applies to entrepreneurs as well, that any minute that you're not putting the work in to make yourself better, not every 24 hours a day, but every minute that is on the clock time that you're not you know, putting towards making yourself better and figuring out how to best serve your clients, one of your competitors is doing it and they're going to try to take those clients away from you. And directionally, that is the right idea. I'm not really into the, the rah-rah motivation stuff, but directionally, it makes the perfect sense. So that's what the separation day is about. Separating yourself from the competition, not because you can control their actions, but if you show up every day, eventually one day they're going to slip up. Now you got them. Now you're ahead of them. Now you just got to maintain that lead. Yes. And a lot of mm -hmm. the competitive nature stuff and the things like it starts to create the comparison trap where you're consistently looking in the other lane and then you trip up right. and fall while you're trying to run. You know what I mean? But this tells mm -hmm. you to stay in your own lane and just keep showing up for yourself and eventually you're going to get that gap because people are going to stop showing up for themselves whether no matter what the reason is but if you continue to show up you are going to create a little space behind you and then all of a sudden you're like elaine thompson and you've won yeah. like you know a gold medal at the olympics so i really like that that thought process because i think we're starting to have some issues with hustle, hustle culture a little bit but the, the things that you're saying oh, yeah. are not negative or harmful or even like self-damaging where you're saying is actually self-care what you're talking about is a form of self-care and i think a lot of times we, we've talked about the way self-care kind of looks like this romanticized spa package and like that's the only way it can look is like rich then people can only be the people who can get self-care because it's looked at as like leisure activities but showing up for yourself in a moment when you could choose to do anything else is self-care and that's an act of self-love as Chris said talked about earlier so i'm um, saying this really in that way is very important i think for people to understand and to hear yeah, 100%. yeah. So uh, we, self so speaking of self love, self confidence is a thing that people struggle with. Like I talked about a little bit earlier, like just now, you know, we we don't think about ourselves as being able to feel good about ourselves if we don't look a certain way, or if we don't, we're not in this tax bracket, we don't drive a certain thing, we don't do that because that's the way society kind of creates this this thought process. But what you're doing and what you're saying kind of starts to create this idea that you can be confident in yourself. And so what are some ways 
or what are some things that people can do to help make self-confidence into a habit and not just like something that seems unobtainable to them? Great question. Number one thing is getting control of your self-conversation. Because as humans, we are conversing with ourselves much more than we converse with anybody else. And as Zig Ziglar once said, what anyone else says to you, this is to the listeners who are listening, is not 10 times as, not 10% as valuable as what you say to yourself. So even if you hear something from me or Angelica or Charisma that you think is amazing and is really inspiring and uplifting, you still have to take it and you have to say it to yourself for it to really take hold within you, for it to really matter. You read something in a book, you hear a speaker say something, you have to take it and start repeating it to yourself. That's when your subconscious is really going to take it in. So getting control of that self-conversation is actually a pretty simple process. The challenge for many people is that they ask themselves the wrong questions or they don't ask themselves enough of the right questions. Most people who listen to any type of self-help show, which I would consider this, there's some self-help in this show, is understanding you have you want goals, you have things that you want to do, outcomes that you wish to achieve. Most people got that part down. Then most people also understand that you can't get something for nothing. It's not, not just going to appear in your lap. So you have to go out and you have to do the work. So most people understand these are the things I want to have and these are the things I need to do. But most people never ask themselves the question, who do I need to be? What kind of person do I need to be? What kind of energy do I need to have? How do I need to show up? How do I want people to feel when I walk into a room? What kind of what kind of vibration do I need to be on? And who do I want to see when I look in the mirror? These are really important questions that actually the answers to these questions precede the work that you're going to do. And it precedes, of course, the results that you have. But since many people never ask themselves this question, what they end up doing is spending their entire lives working. All right, did I get the result? Not yet. Let me work some more. Did I get it? Not yet. Let me work some more. And they literally work themselves to death trying to get to an outcome. But because they never ask themselves who they need to be while doing the work, this is how someone can have the challenge of, and many people had this challenge, at least from what I've heard, even from sports to business, I'm doing all the stuff. I'm doing all the right things. I'm following exactly what person XYZ said, but I still don't have the result is because they are missing an ingredient to the the recipe, which is who do I need to be as a person? And the way to solve this is also very simple. You need to actually write down answers to that question. Who do I need to be? And there is no length that is too long. Everything that you want to be as a person, not talking about actions, not about the things you're going to do, but just in being, energy, vibration, frequency, the way you see yourself and the way you want other people to see you and feel about you, write all of those things down. Then every single day at the start of your day is the first thing that you're going to say to yourself. Read it out loud to yourself every morning and then read out loud again to yourself every night. And you do it first and last thing simply because your subconscious mind is wide open in a blank slate first thing in the morning. And the last thing that you take in at night before you go to sleep is what it will marinate on while you're sleeping. You do this every single day. This is programming of your mind. Consciously, you're programming your subconscious mind. And most of our thoughts, 85% of them are unconscious, meaning most of the things that we are doing and thinking, we're not even consciously aware that we're doing and thinking them. So when we think that we're thinking, that's the conscious part, it's only 15% of what goes on in our heads. The other 85%, i.e. 85% of our lives are based on the unconscious habitual things that we do. Like we talked about the same things the same way every time. We are already doing this. We're just not aware of it. So when you change that programming, it will start to change your life. And this will happen relatively quickly simply because it controls 85% of what's going on in your life. So asking yourself who you need to be, writing it down, and actually saying it out loud every single day, that will start to change how you see yourself. It'll start to change what you do. And of course, in the end, it's going to change what you end up having. So whether if that's confidence, then talk confidence. If it's discipline, let's talk discipline. If it's bulletproof mindset, it can be a combination of all of these things, but it's really changing that subconscious programming through your self-talk and self-conversation, most of which you're not even aware is taking place at all times. I love that. Yeah. And it's definitely, like you said, it's something that it needs to be done every single day because confidence right. is really a habit. And it really, I think that people don't realize like it takes a minute, like you're not going to do it for a week and then be like, yeah, I feel totally confident now. Like 
it could take years for some people. Um, but when you truly learn to have self-confidence, it there's just nothing like it. I love being confident. I used to not be confident and now I'm just like, I love me. So it's great. <laughs> like I highly recommend being confident, just putting in the time to develop that habit. I think that's one of the most important habits, you know, in any field, but especially in entrepreneurship, because you can walk into a room and be like, yes, I am that bitch. And you can, you know, sell and you can do whatever it is that you need to do. And you can be super confident about it. That's how I am now. Like I'll walk into the room and be like anything that I offer as an entrepreneur, I am amazing at. So do with that what you will, but exactly. yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is definitely, it, it's, it's helpful. And, you know, again, I think a lot of young entrepreneurs don't necessarily always have that. Um, you had that out the gate because obviously for you to walk up, you know, and be like, I'm going to make this team like come hell or high water. Like I'm just going to keep going till I make the team. Like that's hard for people to do. Like, I think just, you know, open tryouts in general are hard for people to do. So I don't know how you came, you had it like as such a young person. That's really impressive. It took me till I was like 30 to be confident. <laughs> well, I didn't have it at first. I mean, I, I tried and didn't make the team three times in a row. So I only made it as a senior. So then I had to walk on the college. So I had to develop senior, it. Yeah, you were like, so young. Team. What are you talking about? <laughs> you were like, you were a baby with some strong confidence. Did you start? Uh, pra- like, did you start practicing? You feel like confidence at that age, or do you feel like it was just for you something that was in you? It was neither one. No, neither one. I didn't really become. <laughs> I didn't become conscious about it until. I remember my freshman year of college. So now I walked on in college and I'm playing on a college team and it was a class I took. It was like the like a freshman introduction class. And they had us read uh, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. And in that book, he had an exercise. I think it was his book where he was like, all right, imagine that you're standing outside and you see somebody walking towards you and they you can't really tell who it is. But as they get closer, you can tell that it's actually you. But it's you five years from now, the five years from now, you. And the exercise in the book was, I want you to imagine what does this five years from you person look like? What do they smell like? How do they walk? What is their energy? What have they accomplished? What have they done in their lives? What do people feel about them? Write all those things down. And this is the type of person you need to start being right now. So he was, that was my first introduction to this kind of idea, what I just explained to you all. So that's where I got that from. But in order for me to get on that team in high school, really, it was just, uh, of course, I just kept working on my game and I had to be ready and be ready to perform. But there was no, um, I wasn't consciously programming my mind. I think I was doing it, but I didn't know that I was doing it. I didn't know visualization was a thing. I didn't know subconscious program was a thing. I didn't know what personal development was until I got to college. And then once I found out what it was, I took it and ran with it because I knew this is what I had been looking for my entire life up until then. I love it. So It is February. We are into Black History Month. We are two days in right now. Mm. Um, This is our favorite time of the year. We always have amazing guests on this year and just celebrate ourselves because we deserve it and we're amazing. So I want to know what does Black excellence mean to you? Because I feel like it means something different to everybody. Black excellence. I think it means I think it's a way to make people conscious, specifically for Black people to be conscious, conscious about putting their excellence out there and holding themselves to a standard of excellence. And because that's really where success comes from, especially consistent, uh, repeatable success comes from having standards and those standards being upheld by either the person doing it or by people in authority. So that's what black excellence means to me. And yeah, that's what it means to me. I love it. I love it. It's a, it's a simple and easy and understandable thing that I think, all of us can obtain to, you know, being our best black selves. And that's all that matters. <laughs> well, Dre, we've reached the end of our question. So for those of us who have been listening and are ready to buy your book and like stalk you on the internet, where can people <laughs> find your book? And then where can they learn more about you on the interwebs? Sure. Well, my newest book, The Third Day, what we've been talking about here, they actually don't even have to buy it. All you're going to do is cover the shipping. I'll give you the book for free. So the book's free. Just cover the shipping and I will send you a hard copy of the book to your doorstep physically. That link is thirddaybook.com. So that's all spelled out. Thirddaybook.com. That's where you can get a free copy of the book, The Third Day. 
And I've written a lot of books, so you can, well, actually, we're going to offer you a whole bunch of books before you get through that funnel. But if you only want to get one, you get one, but you can get 10 if you want different books. And as far as on the internet, uh, the place that I'm probably most active on an hour to hour basis will be Instagram because I'm always on Instagram stories. So my Instagram is just my name, which is at Dre Baldwin. But I'm on every other social media platform, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. I'm not on TikTok. I'm not active on TikTok, but I'm on everything else. But I would suggest go get my book the third day and then you'll be getting my emails and you'll learn a whole lot more about me through those. And uh, we'll just keep it at that. I found when I give people too, too much information, they forget it all. So thirddaybook.com, get that book. That's the most important thing. And I will add that they need to watch your TED Talk. Yeah, yeah you can look at my TED Talk too. Yes. yes I agree sure. with that. Well, thank you, Dre. <laughs> thank so you so much. much, Dre. We really appreciate having you on. Well, thank you, Angelica and Charisma. Thank you for having me on again.